And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'll ask that you turn with me this Sunday morning, March the 8th, to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. I think most preachers like to preach out of the book of Joshua. There are a lot of good uh, victories in the book of Joshua. And uh, this morning I want to talk about the before principle. The before principle. Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be reading this morning. And you follow along in the scripture. I'm going to take a few moments this morning to read this passage of scripture. And then we'll open, uh, continue to look at the word of God. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Acacia, the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. And all the children of Israel had lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cupids by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel. Then you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the, Gish- and the Girgashites, and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and of the earth is crossing before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men of the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. And so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose in a heavy in a heap very far away at Adam and the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabia and the sea, excuse me the Salt Sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your word. And Lord, we thank you today that in our lives uh, there is the before principle. And I pray today that you would help us to understand more about it. And Lord, that we would see and that we would learn from the word of God, Father, and that we would have the ultimate teacher, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts and in our hearing today. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever really been thirsty, but out of water? Have you ever been kind of parched and uh, you were uh, ready for a drink, but there really wasn't good, fresh uh, water readily available? Uh, that's not a really good feeling when you kind of get that cotton mouth type of feeling, is it? Uh, the following letter was found uh, by a, a man who was walking through the desert. Uh, the letter was found in a tin can wired to a handle of an old pump that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long, seldom-used trail across the Amagrosa Desert. Now, this desert is in western Nevada and near California border. It lies south of what is called the Funeral Mountains and northeast of the Death Valley. And uh, this is what the letter said when he found this pump. It says, This pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it, and it ought to last at least five years. But the washer dries out, and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and with the cork end up. There's enough water in that bottle to prime the pump, but not if you drink some of the water first. Pour out one-fourth of the bottle of water and let it soak inside the pump so that the leather will get wet and it will pump again. And then pour the rest of the water medium fast into the pump and pump like crazy, and you'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get water, fill up the bottle and put it back where you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drink up the water first. Prime the pump. And with it, you'll get all the water that you can hold. Now, if you were a lonely, parched traveler shuffling down an old trail, bone dry, would you trust this guy named Desert Pete who left a note in a tin can with an old pump? Uh, for all we know, uh, he might be a lunatic or this might be a mad hoax, right? There are no guarantees to what he claims to be true and what would motivate uh, you to prime the pump with the water that was in the bottle. Remember, you're pretty thirsty. And perhaps there's no other water available. Are you going to pour that water out of that bottle into the pump? But you understand the fact that all the older types of pumps have to be primed. It's a gamble, a risk. Uh, but what do you do? You know, this story kind of illustrates the importance of the principle that we are talking about this morning, the principle of before. The lonely traveler had to prime the pump before he could get water from the well that was fresh and all the water that he needed and then some for the next person. The before principle, it manifests itself in everyday life. There are battles before victory. There are struggles before celebration. There are steps before arrivals. There are, uh, there's practice before perfection. There is participation before complete completion. And so we see that over and over again, not only in our lives, but in Scripture, there is a pattern that is repeated. The Israelites had to march to the Red Sea before God parted it. Naaman had to wash seven times in the water before God 
cured him of leprosy. Gideon had to reduce his army from 32,000 men down to 300 before God would deliver them from the Midianites. The loaves and the fishes were given up, those few that were there before Jesus multiplied it and fed the 5,000. Peter had to obey Jesus to row out into deeper water before he caught a boatload of fish. Do you see the before principle in action in the Bible? We see that principle here today uh, at the crossing of the Jordan River, here in Joshua chapter 3. Uh, but nowhere is this principle before of before more evident than it is here in Joshua chapter 3, as we see that God was preparing to lead the Hebrews to the promised land. And after decades of wandering, and I do mean decades, remember they were wandering for 40 years. The children of Israel were perched on the banks of the Jordan River and they were ready to cross to the other side. And then this narrative of preparing to cross over, which uh, by the way is an important word in this passage of Scripture used over 20 times, they were preparing to cross over not only the river, but really they were making a crossing in their lives. It was symbolic of what was about to take place. And crossing over required a new faith experience. And the before principle applied for them. In order for them to occupy the new land that was waiting for them. We see that there was, a, first of all, an obstacle. An obstacle that stood in their way. Verse 1 said, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. The Jordan River was the obstacle. And he and all of the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. Do you see that word before? They didn't just march there and run through the water or swim across. That was an impossibility. Uh, one big obstacle stood in their way, and that was the Jordan River. It was flowing north and south, and it stretches 200 miles from Mount Hermon to the Dead Sea. And it was furiously plummeting from several hundred feet above sea level to about 1,300 feet below sea level when it got to the Dead Sea. Now normally, if you've been uh, to that part of the world, you probably have seen the Jordan River. It's not really that difficult to cross most times of the year. It's rather non-threatening. It's narrow, it's shallow, and it's really at most uh, a, mid, uh, a modest stream most of the year. But when Joshua and the children of Israel had got to the Jordan, it was not just a, 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 a stream, it was springtime. And so the water had melted from Mount Hermon, and the normally dry wadis that flowed or were along the river were raging currents. Uh, we've seen floodwaters here recently in Georgia, haven't we? Uh, places where normally there'd just be a trickle, or maybe it might even be dry, have been uh, raging torrents. And that was the case here. No longer was the Jordan a mild uh, river, but it was a temptuous river flowing and raging. And normally the river was about 100 feet wide, but now the river was over a mile wide because it was at flood stage. And the Israelites were at an impasse. The children of Israel came to this raging, impassable river, and like the lonely traveler out there in the desert uh, they were spot, that spotted the water pump, uh, they were looking and reading the instructions as Joshua was giving them instructions now that they were to wait. And they were wondering. They were so close, but yet so far away. They were confronted with a test of faith. And the before principle was going to have to be applied. There also was a miracle that smoothed their way. 
Verse 16, uh, we've read this chapters, and so you know what it says today. The waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose up in a heap as far away as Adam. They crossed over on dry land. But I want you to see what had to take place for God to perform the miracle. That closely, by the way, resembled the crossing of the Red Sea. Do you remember when the children of Israel were crossing, uh, exiting out of Egypt, and Pharaoh came after them, and they crossed the Red Sea on dry land? Uh, I want you to see the similarity and the miracle that was performed. And why did God have to perform another miracle? Except for Joshua and Caleb, all the Hebrew people of that generation that crossed on the Red Sea were dead and gone. This young core of people had heard about the great escape from Egypt. They had heard about the exile, uh, but they did not witness it for themselves. And so God did it again. Just as He had rolled back the waters of the Red Sea, He was going to roll back the waters of the Jordan River. Just as mothers and fathers had walked uh, across the bottom of the Red Sea on dry land, so would their sons and daughters walk across the riverbed of the Jordan on dry land. And did the Israelites need a miracle before they believed? And before they went into conquer the promised land, did they need to see God's power demonstrated before recognizing Him as the living of God? Did they need to see a new story of escape so that they could tell their children and that they had courage in the battles and that their faith would be strengthened against the giants in the land that they would face? The Hebrews experienced a miracle. They witnessed a visible demonstration of God's power. They knew that the living God was among them. It was a great day of victory for them, a celebration as they would arrive on the other side. It was an experience that they would tell and relive again and again and again. But before the Hebrews experienced the miracle and witnessed the power of God, they saw the hand of God that there were requirements. They had to prime the pump, so to speak. In other words, the people would experience the power of God, but they had to take the first step. Which brings me to the second point this morning. Before you get up and go, there are some things that have to be done. Verses 12-2 through 15. The Hebrew children had to wait, the Scripture says, to consecrate and to take a step of faith before God showed up. You know, and so oftentimes, so do we. The principle of before applies to us here and now. And so I want to help us to understand that principle a little better this morning with this first statement. Often, we have to wait before moving ahead with God. Often, we have to wait before moving ahead with God. In verse 2, it says, So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. They came and they were at the edge of the river there at the bank and they could possibly even see on the horizon where they were going, but they had to wait the children of Israel did it, and they had also done it, by the way, for 40 years as they waited for an entire generation of people who had not shown their faith passed away. The promise had been deferred because of the unbelief of the elders at that time. And now they would wait again three more days with their destination in sight. They were not about happy about waiting either. You know, no one really likes to wait, do they? It's not a strong suit for most of us. Uh, we tend to be horn-honking drivers, microwaving fast food, FedEx mailing, Amazon Prime type of people, don't we? So that we can get it as fast as possible. Yet sometimes God says that we need to be wait waiters. 
Waiting is the hardest part of trusting. It's the most arduous aspect of the before principle. You see, we live by the adage of this. Don't just stand there, do something. While God often says to us, don't just do something, stand there. Too often we want God's resources, but we don't want His timing. We want God's resources yesterday. We want God's resources when we order them up. And we forget that the work of God and that work that He is doing in us while we wait is just as important as whatever we are waiting for. Amen? Waiting means that we can give God the benefit of the doubt and that He knows what He is doing. Waiting is God's way of seeing if we will trust Him before we move forward. Waiting reminds me that I am not in charge. When we get to the crossing moments of our life, we're not just waiting around, we're waiting on God. Therefore, we can trust His timing and His wisdom in our lives. Waiting is the first fundamental principle. And there's a second. Always, we have to consecrate today before blessings of tomorrow. Always we have to consecrate today before blessings of tomorrow. Listen to what verse 5 says. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua says to them, God's people, he said, Holiness and preparation and purity and separation come first. And so today, take the time to prepare yourselves. For the Israelites on the edge of the Jordan, that meant washing themselves with water and practicing their ceremonial rites uh, that would make them clean. Uh, They were to uh, rid their minds of filthy and dirty things that had accumulated over the years. They were to take the approach that God could purify their hearts and give them clean hands and clean feet. And they were to go into the promised land with God different than they were on the other side. They were to approach God differently. They were about to enter the Holy Land, God's country, into His presence. Think about it. Every time in the Scripture that God shows the people where to recognize that place that is holy, people took off their shoes. They fell prostrate before God in humility. And when God said, consecrate ourselves, uh, He is saying to us that make yourself pure and holy in the presence of the Lord. I'd like to take just a moment here and rephrase this verse for just a moment and say, may I insert in here today, consecrate yourselves today because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. You know, that's a principle that we need to live by also. Again, before the principle comes to the forefront, the need for holiness, purity, and separation comes before the blessings of tomorrow, not the other way around. You know, we often believe that God will, if God will bless us, then we'll get our lives right. Lord, if you just get everything straightened out for me, it'd be a lot easier for me to live the right way. God says that holiness precedes honor, that cleanliness comes before usefulness, that repentance comes before power. The promise that God would work miraculously tomorrow is contingent upon the people's willingness to consecrate themselves today. And so waiting speaks to God's schedule. Consecration addresses our need for sanctification. And the third deals with our steps. 
The third thing that takes place is inevitably we have to step first in faith. Step first in faith before we see God act. Look at verses 14 and 15. And so it was when the people set out from their camp across to cross over the Jordan with the priest breaking, bringing, bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still. Before God would part the waters the Jordan, of the Jordan, a condition had to be met. There had to be a step of faith. Do you see that principle of before? Before, God didn't allow them to wake up and to look out that morning and there was the river parted for them while they were laying on their backsides in the bed. No, God said, here's the principle. As the priests go and as you take a step of faith and you follow God. And as their feet hit the water, the waters parted. Do you catch the idea that not only the waters parted, but they walked across on dry land? They didn't get their feet muddy when they walked through the riverbed either, did they? The before principle is important for us to learn. God's promise that God put the condition of His people's faithfulness upon it. As they marched forward, somewhere along the way, God would intervene. They had to have faith. They had to get up from the places that they were sitting and resting. And they had to get in line and they had to march behind the Ark of the Covenant. Isn't it just like God? He wants to do some amazing things in our lives tomorrow. But He's saying to us today, trust me today. Consecrate your life today. Wait, and in the waiting, trust me today, like an uh, uh, electric eye at that door at Walmart that opens the door. Have you ever walked to the door at Walmart and walked into the door? What if the power was off? That's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? You have faith that that door is going to open. Faith is risky business, isn't it? It's been said that without risk, there is no faith. For faith to be faith, we have to venture out beyond our own abilities and our own resources and take a step before God acts. When was the last time we really did something that required faith? Well, I got faith. Did you look at your bank account first? Well, I got faith. Uh, Did somebody have to promise you something was going to have to happen? Well, I got faith. Why are you wringing your hands? Often God provides no solution for our problems until we trust Him and move ahead. While He wants to supernaturally intervene in our difficulties and challenges of our everyday lives, He can't until we first demonstrate faith because He wants us to learn the principles of the Scripture, the principle of before. Compared to God's part, our part is minuscule and really even unnecessary, but He wants us to participate. I want to ask the question this morning as we finish up, is it worth the risk? Is it worth the risk? Verses 16 and 17, I think, give us the answer. The children of Israel saw God working 
in a powerful way. The river did stop flowing and they walked through on dry ground. And for this generation of people, the promise was going to take place. And I don't want you to miss this point today. I, I believe for every generation of God's people, there are miracles for those people that God has in store if we will take steps of faith and follow these principles. I'm thankful that I have heard the testimonies of the miracles of many of your lives in generations past or the older folks in our church. And I want to challenge the younger folks in our church and the older ones that are still alive. God's not done doing miracles for us. The principle of before deals with our waiting, with our consecration, and with our faith. And if we will do those things God's way today, if we will wait, if we will consecrate, if we will take steps of faith, then God's miracles will come before us. And it plays out in our lives in many different ways. And I just want to give you a couple life examples this morning. When I take a risk of giving generously, I discover that I really can trust God to take care of me. You know, what's one of the hardest things for us to, to take risks with and to have faith with is our money. Is the things that God has given to us. And when we learn how to live generously and discover what God can do as we do that, we learn something. But the truth is, first I have to get my feet wet. Like the children of Israel did, they had to take a step. Uh, they had to take a step towards the river and step into the water before the water was parted. You know, so many of God's children have not taken a step in being honoring towards God with their money yet. Number two, when I take a risk of asking forgiveness of another person, I discover that God really will honor my confession. One of the challenges that we always deal in our lives is our relationships with other people. Walking humbly before our God and walking humbly before others. But I first have to get my feet wet. It's never easy to go back and try to mend a relationship or to try to go back and ask forgiveness when we've made a mistake. But when we get our feet wet, we can see that God so oftentimes will open the door. Number three, when I risk using my spiritual gifts, I can know the joy of being used by God. But first, I have to get my feet wet. Each and every one of us have spiritual gifts that we need to use. Each and every one of us have spiritual gifts that we need to learn how to use. Each and every one of us have gifts that God has given to us that are to benefit the church, and we need to use those gifts. And we need not to be afraid to fail in trying. Can I say to you this morning, you have permission to fail in trying? I would rather have a congregation full of people that were trying and failing than people that were just sitting on the pew and not trying. Because if you try, you're going to succeed. Eventually, God's help, God's strength, the spiritual gift that He has put inside of you is going to come to rest and it's going to come uh, to, to be used. I know a lot of you enjoyed getting to hear Colton preach last Sunday night. Jerry said to me there was just a new policy. We had to get out uh, by 7.30 from now on, because, or by 6.30 because it was a little bit shorter than, than pastor preaches, right? When you're young, you bring a lot of material to the table and you think, oh, that's going to go a long time. But it doesn't, does it? 
We learn by the process, and I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to help people learn and that we give people the opportunity to learn. And he's doing a great job. Some of you said that's the better, he did better than he did the last time. Praise the Lord. I want to see you do better than you did the last time too. No matter where you are. Where do you need to take a risk? How is it that God is calling to you to get your feet wet? When was the last time you had wet feet? You say, oh, pastor, I don't like my feet wet much anymore. That's not very comfortable. No, not always comfortable. But God takes us out of the comfort zone sometimes so that he can use us again. So that he can do something with us. Perhaps this time for you is a time of an unknown test. Maybe you're that weary traveler that today this passage of Scripture has come to you kind of like Desert Pete's note. And God's saying, here's a little bit of water to prime the pump. You can drink it all today and go home and not be thirsty, but what I really want you to do is learn how to get water from the well. What I really want you to be able to do is to go on and have enough not only for today, but for tomorrow and for the next day. And have enough that you can share with others that need it. God honors radical risk-taking. He honors risk-taking faith. He relishes favoring people who apply the before principle in their lives. What is God saying to you? How is He calling to us today? Think about that before principle. This morning we're going to observe the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments. And I believe that this principle particularly applies to a day like today because I believe God has called us to come to this table with clean hearts and clean hands. And I believe that when we do, He promises us that there are blessings tomorrow that come. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is and what He has done for us. But He has called us to come to this table with reverence. For this is the body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for our remissions of sin. And so I invite you this morning to spend a few moments with God as we sing this song of invitation. Reflect upon the love that He has for us as we remember how much God loves us. And to prepare our hearts this morning for just a moment. Brother Jerry, will you come and lead us in this song of invitation? And then we will receive the Lord's Supper this morning.